Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us here at Midweek, and hope you're having a good day. Here's what we're going to be talking about today. A lot going on with China and um, also with getting our crops planted this year and trade and uh, markets. We're going to talk about a lot of that today with Scott Irwin, University of Illinois Ag Economist. We're also going to talk with uh, Kevin Papp, President of the Minnesota Farm Bureau, about planning progress in the state of Minnesota, his thoughts on on some of the issues of the day. And we'll talk more about trade, the China issue, with Dave Salmonson, Senior Director of Congressional Relations with the American Farm Bureau Federation. But right now, we are very happy to have with us the Chairman of the House Agriculture Committee, Chairman Mike Conway. Mr. Chairman, thanks for being with us. Michael, thank you, buddy. Appreciate having you on. Well, let's talk about what happened last week. Uh, what was it like after all the time and all, all the work you put into this farm bill and, and trying to get it passed, as you saw the votes coming in and saw it going down to defeat, uh, what was that like for you? Um, uh, disappointing, uh, hurtful, uh, really disappointing in, in a, on a couple of levels, Michael. We, had, uh, we have a great bill, and it should have passed. I was not expected to get any of the dams, so those votes not, that not going up as yeses were expected, uh, not wanted, but expected. But to have my Democrat colleagues cheer and laugh and point and taunt us, uh, uh, those of us who voted yes, was uh, hurtful to me personally, but that's, that's, you know, I get over that. But it also, my, my mind, was hurting all those folks out there in the your listening uh, audiences who are dependent on good agriculture policy being able to help keep them in business, uh, suffering through the economic times that they're suffering through that they, they know far better than I can explain. But to have the Dems cheer on that regard this was really uh, disrespectful to some of the hardest working, most decent, uh, caring people on the face of the earth, is the folks in, in rural America, who, quite frankly, a 20-hour work week is uh, the second or third job they do to uh, to keep the farm alive. And so, uh, really uh, hurtful and disappointing, but energizing in the sense that they, the folks who voted no from the Republican side, some of them was about that SNAP policy. Uh, but a lot of it was uh, folks who were wanted to do something else, uh, and they were using this farm bill as leverage. And uh, while I disagree with that vehemently, I understand they had the, the uh, leverage to do that because uh, none of the Democrats came on board. I uh, mentioned you are going to talk to Kevin here a little bit, ask you about his guys who voted no on farm policy on Friday as to how they can get away with, uh, with that to, uh, to tell the farmers and ranchers out there in America that, that they, would, they would rather play politics on their side of the aisle uh, with, in league with Nancy Pelosi than they would to support uh, production agriculture. So uh, it's going to be interesting conversations that they'll be having uh, to their folks because, quite frankly, there's not a group out there in America that pays more attention to what happens on the floor than men and women in production agriculture because their livelihoods are so dependent on good agriculture policy, they pay attention. And unfortunately, I suspect many of them were watching last Friday and saw that debacle. What about... Have you had conversations with uh, Mark Meadows, chairman of the Freedom Caucus, and where do you feel you stand there as far as getting some of those members to vote for your farm bill the next time it comes up? It's not up to me on that regard, unfortunately, Michael. It's between leadership and the Freedom Caucus because I don't, I'm not on the juris, I don't have jurisdiction over immigration issues, and that's where the, where the deal is. I've had previous conversations, or Mark was previously quoted in the paper, of saying there was nothing in the bill that would cause him to vote no. And so I'm expecting that when he and leadership get worked out, whatever they're going to get worked out, 
that uh, that uh, he will deliver the requisite number of votes to uh, to get this to pass. Uh, we passed a rule yesterday that is uh, that allows us to vote on the farm bill as is HR two uh, anytime between now and uh, June 22nd. And so my my push will be as soon as uh, the, we vote on immigration, whatever that is, that the next vote will be the farm bill so we can get this done and be ready to uh, to, to begin the, the conference process with uh, with Pat because I suspect he'll get something done in June as well. Will you keep the bill as is? Will you make any changes? Or will the next time you vote, June 22nd or wherever that is that you vote again, will it be on the same bill? No, it's H.R. 2. The uh, first time since I've been in Congress, we're actually exercising a motion to recommit. That means that you just re-vote the, the bill that was uh, was voted on Friday. And so, no, there's no changes uh, uh, to the bill. We will bring H.R. 2 right back exactly as it is because we lost uh, because of the uh, not the policy, but because of, uh, of other issues, uh, you're being used as leverage. So, uh, it'll be the same bill. Talking with the chairman of the House Agriculture Committee, Chairman Mike Conaway. What's it like, uh, and what is your message to farmers? I mean, we for all the talk about crop insurance and sugar and ARC and PLC and CRP and all this, really the bill came down to immigration and and food stamps and while those are important issues uh for those to really defeat a farm bill uh i think has a lot of uh, people kind of wondering how can you get a farm bill passed in this kind of environment well if we'd gotten beat just on the bill itself last week that uh, we'd have a different conversation but we didn't there are enough votes uh, in the freedom caucus uh, guys led by uh, mark meadows and the folks he, he's negotiating on behalf of that if they get uh, if they get what they need uh, on an immigration vote, and I'm expecting him to deliver the requisite number of votes to get us to uh, uh, to one vote more than the others than the no votes. And so uh, we'll get there. Uh, we have some, you know, the, the the moderates, the folks who live in states where uh, we're making some major changes, particularly with broad-based categorical eligibility, uh, and insisting that the income test be applied and the asset test be applied. They're they're in a tough spot, but we're going to continue to work with them to help them explain that or to, to explain to them that. We're talking about about 400,000 families across the country out of uh, 20 million would be affected by that change in policy, and so the greater good uh, uh, is uh, is at stake here. So we we'll hope to to be able to convince some of our moderates as well uh, to come across and, and give us a cushion that uh, that we might uh, might need. But uh, right now, the leadership is working aggressively with uh, the folks that wanted to, who held the bill hostage to get them what they are insisting on. Uh, and, uh, and we're going to move forward. So I, you know, it, I'd have a different conversation with you if I'd have lost it on its merits, but that, that's not why we lost last week. Senator Grassley keeps uh, pushing for uh, payment limits. Uh, Mark Meadows has even brought that up from the Freedom Caucus. Uh, do you feel you uh, should have done something with that in your bill, or do you have any regrets on that? Nope, not at all. Um, we would have fought that off had they been uh, had they brought it to the floor. Um, with all due respect to Senator Grassley, he's wrong. Uh, he's wrong every single time, and uh, we'll continue to leave our bill as it is. Uh, but uh, no, I, I don't. Uh, I don't have any regrets at all. And uh, the other thing I can't do right now, Mike, is begin to negotiate with the Senate of what, what the, you know, what they ought to have, what we ought to have. We're going to get our bill as is, and then uh, call it. I mean, uh, 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 Pat Roberts, who has to have you know eight or nine Democrat votes, uh, his bill will be you know different than ours. And then we go to conference. But no, I'm I'm comfortable that uh, we need to get our bill passed as is. Around June 22nd, is that when you think we'll have a vote on it again? Uh, between now and then, it, uh, it's good through June 22nd. 
Uh, we could pass another rule at some point in time to extend even that date. Uh, we'll have until the end of this Congress to, uh, to, to trigger that motion to recommit. So, but right now, the rule is set for June 22nd. Uh, sometime After the immigration vote. After an immigration vote, right? That's the, that's the narrative. I'm, not, I'm kind of at a loss. I'm not involved at all in those negotiations with uh, Mark Meadows and Alice. I'm not sure exactly what they're asking for, what they got, what they didn't get. All those kind of good things, but you're broadly stating the issue. I think, it, yeah, they want some sort of a vote on immigration uh, on somebody's bill, and I'm not sure exactly what that is. All right, Mr. Chairman, thank you for your time, and we'll look forward to talking to you again as we get ready for the next vote. Thank you so much. Thank you. Chairman of the House Agriculture Committee, Mike Conaway. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk some ag issues with ag economist from the University of Illinois. Scott Irwin joins us next on Adams on Agriculture. The mighty Prosoro, king of fungicides. Its fast action and long residual make it the keeper of grain quality and yield, the hammer of head and leaf diseases, the number one reducer of scab, when your goal is greater wheat quantity and higher yield, use Prosaro fungicide, and the crown of higher profit will be yours. Learn more at prosaro.us. Always read and follow label instructions. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I'd wake up with a sore neck or maybe a headache, or I'd feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. Well, when I invented MyPillow, I wanted it so you could adjust the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. MyPillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not how much time you spend in bed. It's how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all my own manufacturing in my home state of Minnesota with a 10-year warranty and you can wash and dry my pillow and here's my best offer ever get four my pillows for the price of one that's right get four my pillows two premium pillows and two travel pillows for the price of one order my pillow at 800-871-7280 and use promo code farm 11 get four my pillows for the price of one call 800-871-7280 and use promo code farm 11 go to mypillow.com and at checkout use promo code farm 11 If you or your family love the freedom of swimming any time of year, if you love sharing good times and making great memories, or if you want one of the best total body workouts ever, then it's time to discover the three C's of your very own endless pool. The first C is convenience. Imagine swimming year-round in your own private swimming pool, installed indoors or out just steps away. The second C is comfort. With sculpted spa seats and your own adjustable temperature, you can easily escape the stress of your day. And the third C is cost. Your endless pool is an affordable luxury at a fraction of the cost of a regular pool. 
And here's a bonus C, choice. Because when you call for your free Endless Pool Idea Kit, you'll receive information on our full line of pools to suit your budget and location. Call now for your free information, 800-717-0734, 800-717-0734. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Thanks to Chairman Conaway for joining us last segment. Interesting that he said the reaction by Democrats on the House floor as the farm bill was defeated last week. He said their reaction was hurtful to him and disrespectful to farmers. He also said he's not involved in talks with Freedom Caucus Chairman Mark Meadows on the immigration issue. And it seems uh, like uh, he's also not talked to him about getting votes from the Freedom Caucus in the next farm bill vote at least not at this point and on the position of payment limits which mark meadows and of course senator grassley pushing for he says senator grassley is wrong on his position on uh, payment limitations and that he uh, he chairman conway has no regrets about not putting language into uh, his farm bill uh, on payment limits so interesting comments by the chairman and we'll see what happens now uh, the, after this uh, immigration vote, if they can then get the votes they need to pass uh, the farm bill in the House. Let's talk about a lot of issues now with University of Illinois Ag Economist Scott Irwin. Scott, thanks for joining us. Just shows how difficult it is these days to pass a farm bill. Oh, there's obviously uh, more moving parts uh you know, that have to be considered, but I offer a little uh, historical perspective in that, you know, farm bills for a long time have not been easy political hurdles to overcome. So um, I still think that the basic support is there and something will eventually get done. My own personal belief is I wouldn't be surprised if they end up having to go to some kind of one-year extension like they've done in the past, and this will just roll out over time. And as we've seen play out again, it's not so much about the uh, the issues of the farm bill so much, but it's a lot of times it's about other issues, other political issues, and then the farm bill gets caught up in those, and, and we've seen that again. Uh, also interesting, Scott, what's going on with China, all the excitement about uh, the trade war being put mm-hmm. at least on hold, and the president now saying, you know, these are these issues, our differences, just too tough to tackle right now. We're going to have to find a different way to do it. Uh, the markets are excited. Uh, uh, the Chinese are going to buy everything we grow and things like that. Uh, uh, what's your take on what's going on right now between the U.S. and China and what it means for agriculture and, and our markets right now? Well, kind of put me firmly in the middle of the of this uh, reaction to uh, what was said. So, um, kind of, a, I'll give you you know the good news, and then maybe the less good news is the way I put it, Mike. Uh, the good news is, and this is this is real, that the what we can take away from this announcement and this movement is that behind the scenes, both countries have made a policy decision 
that they don't want to get into an all-out trade war right now. I don't know who backed down more. Uh, don't, and it doesn't really matter. But the signal is clear that this idea of an escalating trade war with China, at least for the time being, is off the table. And that in and of itself is very, very good news for, for ag. Uh, I really think that that was the one big negative hanging over our grain and livestock markets right now. So that's good news. Now, here's where the devil's always in the details. There are no details <laughs> uh, of exactly what does this mean in terms of uh, Chinese uh, uh, egg products from the U.S. Uh, they have lots of capacity. How much? Nobody really knows. And we also don't know how long these uh, this good feelings and good environment will last before some other kind of trade dispute kind of triggers this process again. So uh, good news in the short run, but we don't know, you know, ultimately how much they're going to buy. So I think you've got to kind of temper some of that enthusiasm. Yeah, with China, there's always that uncertainty, but for now, can kind of breathe a sigh of relief. We're talking with University of Illinois ag economist Scott Irwin. All right, Scott, uh, reports out that uh, Marathon is seeking an EPA waiver on the uh, from the RFS. What's your take on that? Well, uh, my personal take on that is that the um, creativity of the Pruitt EPA and stretching the small refiner exemption rules never ceases to amaze me. At least on paper, Marathon doesn't even have a refinery that meets the, the threshold for definition of a small refinery, 75,000 barrels per day. Um, now, there's talk that, well, if you have outages and you don't produce at your nameplate capacity in a given year, then you can apply for it. Um, and, and I suppose that, you know, there's always some scope for some fudging in these rules. But to me, it's, a, it's a, just another important signal of just how hard the Pruitt administration is pushing, you know, chipping away at the uh, RFS mandates through this small refinery loophole. Yeah, we don't know if they're going to grant it, but if they do, it would certainly indicate there's no sign of them backing off of uh, this policy that they've had in granting these waivers. That's right. We we do not know um, whether it will be granted, and, and you know exactly how they're going to get to, uh, and you know, what they've proposed. We don't know. That's the whole problem with the small refinery process. Let me put it to your listeners this way. It was designed, its clear congressional intent was to deal with small independent refiners uh, or units that are subsidiaries, if even larger refiners, that had an undue burden from the reporting and the management of the rent obligation costs. It is now clearly being used as the number one policy tool to try to roll back the RFS mandates. And 
to me, that is fundamentally wrong because it is morphed from, you know, an individual firm level um, hardship exemption to a policy tool. And so it's a federal policy, but no one knows the inner workings. We don't know who's granted them, how they've granted on what basis. And so you have a major policy tool being applied to the RFS with zero transparency. And that just, uh, in my opinion, uh, whether you love or hate the RFS, that's that's wrong. And finally, um, before we let you go, I wanted to talk, get your thoughts on uh, planting progress. We went from worrying about being way behind, and in some states they're still behind. But, wow, right. we caught up in a hurry. It ha- has that, at least from a market perspective, relieved any of those concerns or doubts? Um, certainly. Um, you know, we went from a terrible April, and we got kind of lucky with the, the incredibly warm weather that moved in during May, allowed a, a very uh, big window to open for planting, and, you know, we've got it in on time. And in most places, not all, but most places, the crop is certainly got in on time and uh, is progressing nicely. But I think the market's certainly also attuned to this. The But the very weather that opened up this planting window, I mean, it's extraordinarily warm, and there are certainly now large areas of the Corn Belt that need uh, substantial rain. It's been, on average, a pretty dry May. And so, you know, what the meteorologists are talking about is, you know, what does this potentially portend for summer growing season weather? Uh, dry, hot weather during this period uh, with a ridge developing um, right now, there's a little bit of a correlation between what we're experiencing now and that key late June, July, and August weather. So I think the markets are seeing this as both a little bit of a, certainly a blessing in terms of planting, but uh, worrisome in terms of what it could portend for summer weather. You know, those correlations aren't real strong, but they are there. Scott, as always, good to talk with you. Thanks a lot. Oh, always my pleasure, Mike. Take care. Scott Irwin, University of Illinois Ag Economist. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk with the president of the Minnesota Farm Bureau, Kevin Papp. I talked to him yesterday afternoon. He had just finished planting, so he's happy about that, but we'll get his thoughts on how planting has gone in his state of Minnesota and uh, how others are doing in his state that he's talked with. also want to get his thoughts on some of these ag issues. We heard Chairman Conaway uh, say, ask him about why uh, those Minnesota uh, congressmen voted against the Farm Bill. So we'll talk about Farm Bill issues with Kevin Papp, President of the Minnesota Farm Bureau, coming up next on AOA Adams on Agriculture. paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heartburn, and mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable 
comfortable bed. So if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and information. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Discover Craftmatic for less, up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Call 1-800-318-7903. That's 1-800-318-7903. 1-800-318-7903. Call now. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson. In the grain and oil seed sector, we've got positive signs midweek with soybean futures an hour into the trading day, trending seven to eight and a fraction higher. We're two and a fraction better in corn, six to eight higher in the wheats. Wheat futures bouncing yesterday as weather forecasts around the world took a dry turn. Soybean futures also on the rise as traders bet that improving trade relations would help bring Chinese oilseed buyers back to the U.S. market. The soybean market started the week higher after the U.S. and China indicated they would suspend plans to levy duties on each other's goods. In soybean futures, the old crop July up eight cents at ten thirty-eight and a half. 40-day moving average seen at 10.36 and a half. In corn, major resistance on July lies at 4.08 and a quarter. That'd be the high from May 4th and the 2018 high. On the downside, the 10-day moving average for support at $4 and a quarter cent. Ag weather forecast in the Southern Plains, very little follow-up rain forecast after some beneficial rainfall over the weekend. Northwestern areas of the Midwest still in line for moderate to heavy rainfall, which will bring some delays in later stage planting efforts. For livestock at the Merck, cattle and hog futures trending higher on a Wednesday. Live cattle 65 to $1.60 higher. Feeder cattle August up $2 per hundred weight at one forty-two seventy. We've got an on-feed report coming out on Friday from USDA. Average guess on feed as of May 1st, 4.9% higher than a year ago. Placements down maybe around 8.9%. Lean hogs, $1.20 to $1.65 higher. The Dow is down 68. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? Because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over five million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, we're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, the hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed debt management service provider, Vermont and New York Banking Departments, Maryland 49, Oregon DM80031. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Welcome back. Yesterday afternoon, I called Kevin Papp, president of the Minnesota Farm Bureau, asked him if he was busy planting something. He said he just got done. So you're a happy guy, right, Kevin? Well, I am a happy guy, Mike. You know, as, as Farm Bureau State President, you have a lot of opportunities to, to be on the radio in almost every conversation 
talks about the weather and farming progress, but I know as a farmer there's nothing worse than uh, not being done or not being able to go and hearing on that radio how others are doing better. So I was kind of a little cautious about talking about we're all done with everything for the spring. Yeah. You know, I talk to farmers, they say they find it interesting to hear how farmers in other parts of the country are doing, especially around planting or harvesting time, or just any time really during the growing season, how conditions are. What are you hearing from other producers around Minnesota? Because we we know you've had your challenges getting things uh, in the ground this spring. Uh, others probably not as far along as you are. Yeah, we have had the challenges uh, statewide with some late snows, uh, and things like that, but we've really been blessed with some very nice weather. There's some pockets yet where they have just getting started and getting going full speed ahead. Um, we thought we were going to get some rain last night. We had less than uh, about a quarter of an inch, so nothing that's going to stop us uh, long term uh, for those that need to catch up. But but we're getting there, and you know it's really more about the weather in June, July, and August than it is April and May that can help us out with the crops. We're talking with Minnesota Farm Bureau President Kevin Papp. All right, Kevin, earlier in the program today, I talked with the chairman of the House Agriculture Committee, Mike Conaway. He heard me say that you were going to be on, and he said, ask Kevin what he thinks about uh, Minnesota congressmen voting against the Farm Bill last week. What are you hearing? What do you think about that? Well, I think that whether it's Farm Bill, whether it's trade, whether it's renewable fuels, whatever the agriculture issues are, um, those from farm states need to work together to get things done. And, and yes, we've had some members of Congress that voted against the Farm Bill. Um, in all honesty, we've got to remember we had some members that uh, voted for or actually against a lot of the amendments that were not good for agriculture. So uh, certainly appreciate that and coming to, them coming to bat on those issues we were quite concerned about. But uh, I appreciate the question. I really appreciate the chairman's hard work on this, but I really hope they can work together as we move forward, work with the Senate as we see things soon. So I will uh, I will do everything I can. You let the chairman know. Do you, are you frustrated, Kevin, as a farmer, to see a farm bill defeated over, you know, I, I hesitate to say outside issues because uh, the SNAP program is 80% of the farm bill, but, uh, you know, we're we have that, you have immigration. Those seem to be the two issues that brought down the Farm Bill, not crop insurance or CRP or, or those types of programs. You know, it is very frustrating as with the immigration talk. You know, ag labor is a, a top priority of us in Farm Bureau as well. And, you know, our, our cows and crops don't wait. It's perishable commodities. And having that, that legal, stable, experienced workforce is so important. So it is an important topic. But as they get intertwined, it makes it uh, a little bit disappointing. We also need to look at immigration reform. I think we agree with that in agriculture, but uh, we really need an investment. We need a farm bill. We need this certainty. Well, you have the ranking member, Colin Peterson, who was on with us the other day, and he is very much opposed to this bill. And we just heard Chairman Conaway say this same bill, they're not going to make any changes. It's going to be the same bill that they'll vote on again a second time coming up later in June. So probably no Democrats are going to vote for for it again. Uh, Does this put pressure on uh, Democratic congressmen in a state like yours? Do you think they're going to hear from farmers that, hey, maybe they ought to vote for it? Or are they going to support their opposition to it? 
I think we're going to continue to to work with those members. We're we're we've got Colin Peterson as ranking member. We've also got two other Minnesota congressmen on the Ag Committee, both Democrats in this this particular time around. Um, and we're talking to all of our offices about the importance of this investment, um, whether it has to do with our food supply, our nutrition assistance, protecting our natural resources, or those risk management tools. This is something we need to get done. We're going to ask them to work together. We know, I believe, that we're going to work together with the Senate, have to work together with the Senate. I'm just hoping they get some of that stuff out soon so we can talk in more of a bipartisan uh, method. So are your members that you're talking with around the state of Minnesota, is Farm Bill at the top of their list of uh, priorities right now or a little farther down? Uh, obviously, planting is always a huge issue but uh, at this time of year. But are they thinking more on trade, RFS, Farm Bill? What, how, how would you rank those in order? I think it's a lot like most places. You know, Farm Bill is not on the top of the list. We've heard uh, Mr. Peterson say that a lot. It's not because it's not important and it's not because it's not needed. We've got a lot of other concerns. International marketing and trade, I would say, is the thing I hear the most about. Um, certainly as a corn and soybean state, a lot of hogs in Minnesota. Uh, NAFTA is very important to us, both China, or both Mexico and, and, and Canada for NAFTA. But China is the thing that really pops up more than NAFTA. So we've got to have China market we don't want somebody else to get that we need that demand so china kind of trumps everything really doesn't it pardon the pun they're using the word trumps but uh kind of that's the big issue right now and this so-called uh, ceasefire or a hold on the trade war with china uh and the talk of china buying more from us that kind of uh is uh is the good news that is overriding everything right now so the Farm Bill is a very important safety net, and it gives us those risk management tools. But I think if you talk to most farmers um, in the field, in the coffee shops, they realize that China really is one of our safety nets in agriculture. That increasing demand, that, that need for more of our products uh, really give a positive outlook. And we're going to continue to work not only to, to enforce what trade agreements we've got, but let's look at new opportunities in agriculture and with new countries. There's other developing countries as well. Yeah, I've contended for a long time that our biggest safety net for agriculture in this country is China. And uh, if China is buying and the markets are reacting positively, that seems to be the, the big safety net uh, more than a lot of the other issues, uh, even things in the farm bill. So we'll continue to watch that and, and monitor that. Meanwhile, Kevin, your state, very big into biofuels. Now we have word that Marathon is applying for a waiver from the RFS. We don't know yet if the EPA will, will grant it or not. But how much are you hearing about concerns over EPA's policies on granting these RFS waivers? You know, we're very excited to hear from this administration and from EPA, quite frankly, they were going to enforce the renewable fuel standard. We're going to make sure we have that demand. And, and we're excited about that. The E15 discussions are a, a great thing. We see a lot of E85, quite frankly, in our state. We're fortunate to have that available almost everywhere. Um, but we really have some concerns about this backdoor losses, these waivers, and, and what the criteria is. So... We're going to urge everyone to let's make sure 
we use all the gallons that the, the law intends. So we don't need to do these waivers um, at a much different pace than in the past, or if we are, we'd like to know why. Yeah, that the, the lack of transparency, and I think there was a lot of hope that coming out of some of these meetings at the White House that maybe the president would just say uh, to Scott Pruitt, Stop! Stop granting them the way you've been doing it. Let's let's have a different approach. But that seemingly hasn't happened yet. You know, if I would have asked you, Mike, you know, let's say two years ago, or told you, said, what are the odds that we're going to have? What is this now? Four, five, maybe six meetings at the White House level on renewable fuels um, with with the president. Um, would you have taken that bet? We've talked a lot about it, but we seem like we're not getting anything accomplished. Yeah, a lot of meetings and uh, a lot more questions and answers after every meeting, it it seems like. Uh, But the prospects of E15 sales year-round, I know that has to be exciting to you. It is very exciting, and it's an opportunity to to make sure we've got that ability. In in Minnesota, we are a renewable fuel state. We're a a B20 state as we look at biodiesel, and we've got a lot of the E85 infrastructure, our corn and soybean growers are doing a great job of promoting that. And quite frankly, that's that's adding value not only to agriculture, but to our rural communities. I mean, where I'm sitting right now, I can see, you know, two ethanol plants, uh, you know, when, when the timing is right. So it's an important thing to add value. It's an important thing to, to have to help increase our demand for our products. You're also a dairy state, and these NAFTA talks, seemingly no resolution in sight yet on dairy. That is That has to be concerning. It is very concerning, and Congressman Peterson has been a champion to try to continue to move forward in making sure that we've, we've got some things. We're seeing more and more dairy sales uh, every day, and it, it's very frustrating and something that we need to address sooner versus later. All right, Kevin, so you got planning done. You're not going on vacation now, are you? Well, actually, we're not. You know, a lot of years we uh, try to hit down to the, the 500 uh, over Memorial Day, but uh, we're going to stick around the, the farm and uh, and enjoy and, and honor Memorial Day as we should and remember all those that gave the ultimate sacrifice. And then uh, next trip is uh, USMEF and World Meat Congress. I'll be there at the World Meat Congress next week, so I'll look, this, look for you in Dallas next week, okay? All right. Have a great day and a better weekend. All right. You too, Kevin. Thank you. Kevin Papp, president of the Minnesota Farm Bureau. Glad he brought that up. World Meat Congress next week in Dallas. I'll be broadcasting next Thursday and Friday from the World Meat Congress. Hope you'll join us for those broadcasts. Coming up next, talk more, more perspective on the situation with China and the president's latest comments about uh, just too hard to, to work these things out, our differences out. We're going to have to try a different approach. We'll get Dave Sammonson's uh, thoughts on that. Dave is Senior Director of Congressional Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation. That's next on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day. Because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. 
Antonio H. told us, great company. Got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with bottles starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited-time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. The mighty Prosoro, king of fungicides. Its fast action and long residual make it the keeper of grain quality and yield, the hammer of head and leaf diseases, the number one reducer of scab. When your goal is greater wheat quality and higher yield, use Prosoro fungicide and the crown of higher profit will be yours. Learn more at prosoro.us. Always read and follow label instructions. Thousands of people contact InventHelp monthly about their invention or new product. Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Call InventHelp now. Best of all, the call and information are free. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential, explaining every step of the invention process. Join people just like you who made the call to InventHelp. You have nothing to lose. The call and the information are free. Call 800-352-1402. That's 800-352-1402. Hello. I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I'd wake up with a sore neck or maybe a headache, or I'd feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. Well, when I invented my pillow, I wanted it so you could adjust the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not how much time we spend in bed. It's how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all my own manufacturing in my home state of Minnesota with a 10-year warranty, and you can wash and dry my pillow. And here's my best offer ever. Get four my pillows for the price of one. That's right. Get four my pillows, two premium pillows and two travel pillows for the price of one. Order my pillow at 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Get four my pillows for the price of one. Call 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Go to mypillow.com and at checkout use promo code FARM11. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with Mobile Help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button, and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile Help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, 
the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. I want to get a little more perspective on uh, what's happening with China. Dave Salmonson is with us, a Senior Director of Congressional Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation. So, Dave, we have this uh, supposed uh, ceasefire, if you will, uh, uh, truce between the U.S. and China. But we know things are still going on behind the scenes. And uh, the president comes out today and says it's just too hard. Uh, these differences are too hard to, to address the way we're trying to do it right now. We have to find a different structure, a different way of doing it. Uh, how should we? How should agriculture feel about that? Uh, relieved or still concerned about what might yet come? Yeah, um, I think w- what we have to separate out here is what's going on specifically with the whole tariff regime and the idea of the back and forth there, and the underlying issues, which are difficult. And I think the president's talking about trying to deal with the underlying issues with China of this whole technology transfer problem that our companies face doing business there, Uh, excess production of steel in China that affects the whole steel industry worldwide. And that's kind of why, you know, the administration started this whole thing on tariffs, uh, both first on steel and then these potential tariffs on that 50 billion of uh, Chinese imports, was to try and give a push or to show the Chinese if you don't engage on these uh, more long-range, difficult issues, um, these are the short-term consequences of what's going to happen. Of course, where agriculture comes in there is then we're part of the uh, damage that can happen from uh, tariff retaliation by China. And we have to remember that this truce or hold or whatever uh, you want to call it that was a result of the meetings between the U.S. and China at the end of last week, while it may stop the process of the potential tariffs, the $50 billion dollars, and maybe that, that won't move forward now. But the existing tariffs on steel that the U.S. put on that affect China, that wasn't affected. Those are still ongoing. And the retaliation uh, tariffs that China put on our pork exports and our tree nuts and fruit and wine and some other products, that goes forward. So um, we had some good consequences out of it. Of course, right last Thursday, China lifted their 179% duty on sorghum. So that's certainly a, a good good uh, thing for our soy, sorghum producers. But the underlying and the tough trade issues are going to have to be uh, worked on by the U.S. and China uh, for a while. Who won, or did anyone win in this latest uh, skirmish? Well, I think they just uh, keep talking. I don't know if you can put it in win or lose. You know, the trade with China, we hope, continues. I think for agriculture, uh, opening up, reopening up, we hope our trade in sorghum is a win. Um, the fact that we hopefully won't have this uh, tariffs put on the Chinese imports and resulting tariffs from China on our ag exports is good for agriculture. Um, and the fact you had this joint statement that came out, to the extent they follow up with it, uh, we sure hope they do. 
which called for China to uh, look to have meaningful increases on purchases of uh, U.S. agriculture and also U.S. energy products. So I think there's some, uh, we hope, good commitment there. There's a lot, we hope there's a lot of uh, activity put in following up and making sure that our trade with China is robust and growing. But these longer-term issues, a lot of which are a part of China's uh, industrial policy and the uh, bad effects they have on uh, U.S. businesses, those, uh, those have to be addressed. The president's got that squarely on. And they're trying to find different ways of doing that. And I think, as he uh, said, he talked about today, it's, uh, it's, it's going to take a while. So there's hope, and hope is good. But the reality is we don't know yet all the details and just how much they're going to buy, what they're going to buy, how much more that could be than what they were buying. There are a lot of questions still there. Yeah, yeah. These were, uh, you know, you might say a pledge. Uh, we'll, we'll do more. I mean, they are buying over $20 billion a year from us. Of course, about 12 to $13 billion of that every year is soybeans. So, of course, that's a huge part of it. But lots of other products, of course, corn products and beef and pork and all kinds of other things that we do send to them. So more. They certainly do buy more of these products from around the world. I mean, they buy more soybeans from Brazil than they actually buy from the U.S., they buy more products from a lot of other countries than they buy from us. So uh, they certainly have the opportunity, and the demand is there for China to buy more U.S. product. And if that's something that comes out of this uh, as part of probably a broader engagement of the U.S. with China on these trade issues, um, you know, that should be positive for U.S. ag and U.S. ag exports. You know, the president and the administration focus a lot on the big trade deficit we have with China on goods. You know, they send us about $500 billion a year on uh, tangible goods, and we send them about $150 billion. So it's a pretty good uh, deficit there. Of course, we have a big trade surplus in ag, but they could buy a lot more. Uh, they certainly could turn that money around and buy a lot more from the U.S., and I think that's a big aim of the administration, try to get them to uh, see the U.S. more favorably when they're looking to make purchases in the world market. And finally, real quick on NAFTA, it would seem the odds are growing that it might be 2019 before we get some kind of resolution there. Well, they are up against a bit of a deadline. You know, it's not hard and fast of what exact date they run out of time to get a bill through Congress this year. They have those Trade Promotion Authority uh, legislative guidelines, or more than guidelines, it's law that they have to meet. They still could probably get it done if they could wrap up uh, at least most of the package sometime in June and for, sign it later in the year and get it forwarded. They probably could get it done, but they are definitely running out of time. And you haven't really seen a final resolution of the autos uh, discussions and, and manufacturing, which has been the hardest uh, issue. It's probably the heart of this the renegotiation has been about that. And I don't really see any quick resolution to that. So they're still working at it, but their time is running out. Yeah, the fact that cars were one of the first things they started talking about, and they still haven't resolved it, that uh, doesn't sound too uh, too yeah. optimistic about it's going to get done very quickly now. No, no, they're uh, you know this is looking for some real change uh, driven by the rules of uh, in the NAFTA to uh, move manufacturing at least from the U.S position to encourage manufacturing here in the U.S. and have disincentives to uh, have manufacturing, especially in autos and auto parts in uh, either Mexico or Canada. 
And, of course, those two countries, they kind of like the manufacturing that they have and the investment that they've had from the U.S. So there's a lot of back and forth on that. I don't know if they've found the uh, right formula yet. Sounds like they're still looking. Dave, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Oh, happy to be with you. Dave Salmonson, Senior Director of Congressional Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation. Tomorrow, Tom Vilsack, former Secretary of Agriculture, will be joining us. Hope you will as well, right here on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Have a great day.